This episode features depictions of graphic violence and harm against a minor. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Please note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of the set animal. Today's episode combines elements from a number of ancient Egyptian myths and legends for dramatic effect. Hello, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Welcome to Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. Each week, we travel the world in search of the most epic creatures from myth and legend, exploring who they are, where they come from, and what they say about the culture they terrorized. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we return to ancient Egypt one last time to meet the beast of all beasts. The god Set is one of Egypt's most important mythological figures. His domains are the desert, foreigners, storms, and chaos. He slew his older brother in cold blood and became the mortal enemy of his nephew, Horus. Those are the actions of Set the person, the god in shape of a man, but the Egyptian gods were never one thing. There's a different version of Set that lurks in the desert shadows. It's a strange creature, long and thin like a greyhound with a forked tail, somewhere between a jackal and an okapi. It has no real name, but everyone knows it's Set. And everyone knows that if it's seen, trouble is coming. Trouble so bad that even Set doesn't want to be blamed for it. Coming up, Set learns to unleash his beast mode. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Set wins his place as the greatest villain in Egyptian mythology with one particularly unspeakable crime, the murder of his brother, King Osiris. Set's motivations vary from text to text, but in every version, he cuts his brother to pieces. Osiris's wife, Isis, manages to restore his corpse so he can rule over the underworld. Horus, the rightful heir of Osiris, later defeats Set and restores order to the land. It's a memorable story. The Greeks and Romans were so fond of it that they transcribed it many times. But lost stories are a more common feature of Egyptology. Even with the help of the Rosetta Stone, the art of reading hieroglyphics relies on a great deal of conjecture. 
often that's conjecture based on the appearance of the hieroglyphics themselves. Many of the pictograms stand in for concepts rather than phonetic sounds. So if a symbol appears often, it was clearly important to the ancient Egyptians. For example, the hieroglyph for disorder, known as Shah. It's an odd little shape, like a cloven-footed canine, perhaps a greyhound. But then there's the head, part jackal, part giraffe, part okapi, maybe even a little anteater. Egyptologists and zoologists tend to agree that it doesn't depict any actual creature, living or dead. Back then and now, it's simply known as the set animal. The earliest depiction of the set animal dates back to the proto-dynastic period of ancient Egypt, over 5,000 years ago, though evidence suggests the creature may be even older. For all its age, however, there's a distinct lack of legends about this creature. This suggests that the ancient Egyptians feared the set animal even more than Set's human form. If the human Set could murder his brother and chop him up into tiny pieces, what violence could you expect from this beast form? Like the ancient Greeks, the Egyptians did not speak or write about the things that truly terrified them. They believed that doing so gave them power. They didn't like to talk about the Set animal at all. But today, we're going back to a time when Set wasn't the villain he is now, when Osiris was alive and well, ruling with his brother by his side. Today, we're going to learn how a beast came to be. Set didn't care if Nephthys loved him anymore. He hated her. He hated Osiris. And he hated that he was thinking about them when he should be thinking about his next battle. Violence was the only thing he actually enjoyed anymore. Set had always been better with his body than his words. He prided himself on it. In this era, the land of Egypt was nothing but chaos. And chaos was Set's domain. He loved blood, and he loved battle. He was helping in his own way. He was the king's sword, his righteous will on earth, keeping monsters at bay. But for the first time, this thought offered Set no comfort. Nephthys, his wife, his beautiful dark lady, was sleeping with his brother. Yes, his brother was the king. That made it hurt more. Set and Osiris were very different. Osiris thought about things. He could see the flaws, the breaks and cracks in the order of the world. Set fixed them. He had no interest in being king. But then his older brother had taken the only thing that truly belonged to him. Not that Nephthys was a possession, of course. She had every right to do what she wished. Often, she wished for him. But why wasn't he enough? Set was well-liked, well enough anyway. Sure, Bastet and Sekhmet could be catty, and Sobek could be snappy, but that was their nature. He fit in, even with his brother. And yet, he was the lesser. Set held his head high as he entered the throne room. We are victorious again, brother. What have you been up to in my absence? Set likely knew. Why had he asked? Osiris laughed. Affairs of state, my dear friend. Come sit. That word affairs slid down Set's spine like a knife. Osiris was mocking him openly now. He was not needed until the king needed a blunt instrument, or sometimes a sharp one. 
Set turned on his heel to exit, not bothering to answer the invitation. On his way out, he waved to his nephew, Horus, who was playing with a pair of dolls carved to look like Set and Osiris. Horus waved back. Play with me, uncle, please. I want to hear the story of the serpent again. Set gave him an apologetic sigh. Horus was the one truly good thing his brother had made. It was a shame Osiris would never let his son rule. Perhaps tomorrow, little one. If you wait, I will tell you every detail. The boy's mother, Isis, toyed idly with the small lock of hair that hung off his head. She gave Set a gentle look. Less than a smile, but more than a nod. No acknowledgement of their shared pain. He wondered if she loved Osiris the way he loved Nephthys, if she cared at all, if the king allowed her to care. But that wasn't his affair, so he kept moving. He ran straight into Nephthys. She still smelled the way she always did, like oil and lotuses and fresh dates. She greeted him warmly. Jewel of my life. He hated that he wanted her to mean it. He hated that she did. How could he ever have despised her? It was impossible. Her voice was music to him. Set, you look tired. Let's lay down. The words came before he bid them. I'd like that. She slid her hand into his. The feathers on her arms brushed against his skin. She let out the slightest dove-like cooing as she led him to their chamber. It was just as he remembered. Better somehow. They fell asleep in each other's arms, intertwined. His eyes were still closed when he heard it. A low growl from the other side of the bed. Something was right above her. He could feel it breathing, taste it breathing, like electricity before a storm. This had never happened before. The palace of Osiris was impregnable. How could a beast have found its way into their chamber? Set slid his hand towards his sheathed dagger, lying by his discarded tunic on the floor. He did not open his eyes. He mustn't let the intruder know he was awake. His fingers crept inch by inch over the cold stone floor. He needed a weapon if he had any hope of protecting his love. Still his love, even in all her flaws. The beast's growl somehow made Set's whole face vibrate. The electric breath got more intense. It must be right beside him now, jaws opening wide. Set didn't have time. He shot his hand out as quickly as he could, ready to throw himself between Nephthys and the beast. He felt the comforting cold metal of his weapons brush his palm. A snarl rang in Set's ears. There was no time. Nephthys was in danger. He opened his eyes and turned over, ready to face the monster. But what he saw didn't make sense. A broad, dark, furred paw rested against his wife's shoulder, just beside the largest vein in her neck. The claw slid closer and closer. Set tried to reach out to pull the creature away, but he could not. He tried to cry out, but all that came out was another snarl. It was his voice, his long, thin snout, his claw running along the edge of her neck. 
It was him. He was the beast bending over her, savoring her vulnerability. How easy it would be to devour her. Or better, leave her half alive. See if Osiris wanted her then. Bile rose in his throat. His cry of anguish became a ragged groan in a broad canine chest. How could he think so horribly of the goddess he loved? How could he wish her harm when he would have preferred to rip out his own heart before taking hers? He could not stay, no matter what sort of spell he had fallen under. Nephthys was in danger. He crept backwards as carefully as he could. Then she woke up. Coming up, Set satiates his new appetites. The floorboards creak. The walls, they moan. The house seems vacant, but you're not alone. This October, Parcast invites you to celebrate the spookiness of the Halloween season with all new episodes of Haunted Places. From an infamous murder farm in Indiana to the ghostly tombs and palaces of ancient Egypt, visit the world's most haunted destinations and find out what happens when a soul leaves the body but doesn't leave the grounds. Enjoy new episodes of Haunted Places all month long, free, and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Set had never wanted to hurt Nephthys. Not really. He loved her. He would love her forever, no matter who she slept with. He could hate Osiris, but he couldn't hate her. He couldn't. Yet there was a hunger in him as she stared at him, wild-eyed with a scream of panic still in her throat. She'd not expected to find a beast in her bed. And at this moment, Set was a beast. He did not know how it had happened or why. Perhaps his frustration with his wife and his brother had made him into a monster. Or perhaps this was who he'd been all along. Nephthys scrambled out of bed, only to tumble to the floor, entangled in her blanket. Set couldn't stop himself from licking his chops. Run, little bird, he thought, a grin extending along his long canine snout. And run, Nephthys did. She screamed down the halls, knocking on every door as she went. She called out in desperation, saying that something had taken Set. Set had been killed. What a funny thought. Something killed Set. How wrong she was. Something deep inside Set was truly alive for the first time. Something that wanted to taste Nephthys in every way. The best way. It felt so good. It felt pure and wonderful and true. Yet every pang of bestial desire came with a painful twinge of human regret. 
He'd never been so hungry and so nauseous at the same time. People were coming out of their rooms now, bleary-eyed and barely dressed for the cold desert night. Set needed to leave. He dashed into a storage room. Large jugs of grain greeted him. They were perfect to climb all the way up to the small gap in the wall meant to allow the morning heat to escape. He had to wedge his broad canine thighs through the gap, but he finally wiggled through. Set stood on the roof, surveying the land and the river below. It wasn't his favorite part of Egypt. That honor belonged to the red sands that stretched behind him. He loved the way the sun glinted off the silica. He loved rolling rain clouds across it, making flora and fauna bloom. Set knew he should have been frightened. He'd been on hunts with Osiris before. He'd certainly never considered the possibility that he could be the prey. But he didn't care. The raw power that dwelt beneath his dark fur made him swish his strange, stock-straight tail. Set realized he could benefit from a closer look at his own self, so he pattered down from the roof and off towards the Nile. In his usual two-legged form, Set knew to stay away from the hippos on the bank. They were volatile beasts, heavy, powerful, and fast. But now he didn't fear them. He didn't fear anything. He defied nature because he was nature, and nature was hungry. He fell upon the hippos, all gnashing teeth and ripping claws. The animals bellowed and charged him, but that was exactly what he wanted. On two legs, Set had been a storm of blades and violence. In this form, he was unstoppable. He tore at their rough hides, exposing the barrels of their rib cages to his hungry jaws. Their blood tasted like steel and stars. Set gorged himself on the bloated beasts until finally the pack realized that this was a predator rather than prey. He left a few of them still twitching so his meal would be warm for later. Then he made his way over to a small pool of water left behind from a recent flood. The brown water wasn't entirely reflective. It was more like staring through sea glass, but he still caught the general shape of his head. The snout was even longer than he imagined. His teeth were sharper, too. His boxy ears pointed straight up into the air. His tail was even stranger. It was taut and tense, stuck in a permanent diagonal line. Set didn't look like any creature he had seen before. His night-dark fur was coated in blood and gore, glistening in the early morning sun. A flush of pleasure and pride made him stand up a little straighter. But, as always, Osiris had to ruin his day. One of Set's own spears thudded into the mud in front of him with an embarrassingly weak squelch. Osiris stood there, clearly trying his best to look heroic. Stay back, foul beast. I will avenge my brother. Set couldn't help but laugh. He sounded like a hyena. Osiris squinted at him. Set wondered for a moment if Osiris could see him behind the fur and fangs, behind the euphoria of destruction. But then Osiris shook his head like he'd seen a mirage. 
You have nowhere to run, monster. This was my land and his. It's all mine now. Set couldn't help himself. He had to laugh again. Osiris wrinkled his nose. Stop that. I am your king, your god. Set was truly losing it now. My king, my god. It all belongs to you, doesn't it, brother? Osiris stared at him, mouth agape. It speaks. Even Set was taken aback. He thought he could only growl and laugh in this form. What delightful possibilities this revealed to him. He could be feared and understood at the same time. Osiris finally shook himself out of his shock. What have you done with my brother? How have you taken his voice? Set considered for a moment how this must look to a man of little imagination like his dear brother Osiris. A great and strange beast had terrorized his land and was now speaking with his presumably dead brother's smooth and perfect voice. I have done nothing that your brother would not benefit from. I offer freedom from you for a start. You have very little purpose, don't you, king? Where will you be with no one to do your dirty work? Who will avenge your only avenger? Osiris sniffed haughtily. Set wasn't sure Osiris had ever had to endure an insult in his whole life. You know nothing, monster. A creature like you would never understand. Set chuckled, running his tongue over his glistening fangs. You're right. I don't understand, because I don't see the point. And when there is no point to a king, no point to a god, he flashed a wolfish smile. There is no harm in killing them. Set fell upon his brother, claws and fangs bared. Osiris's cry for help was stifled as Set closed his jaw around his throat. That delicious iron taste filled Set's mouth and nose. He had no interest in eating his brother, but he wanted to tear him into pieces, smaller and smaller until he was only a clump of offal sinking to the bottom of the deep brown river. He watched the small bits of his brother's corpse float slowly to the riverbed. He told himself it was a gift for Sobek. Perhaps if he was lucky, he could blame Osiris's death on the crocodile god too. The idea shocked the human part of Set to the bone. Something about this felt wrong. All of it should have felt wrong. But all he felt was hungry. Set retreated into his four-legged self, the creature that had no sadness, no regret, no jealousy. It was nicer there, in the jagged caverns of his animal mind. He needed more prey, which meant the palace. His feet carried him there before he could think. It was different than he'd expected, empty and eerily quiet. Had they all fled for little old him? Set strolled down the mud brick hall. It was not built for whatever creature Set had become. His paws slid ever so slightly on the polished surface. A small voice echoed at the end of the hall. Uncle, where's father? Horus, the son of his enemy and his most beloved nephew. But how did he recognize Set? The little boy held out his hand. Set took it, surprised to see a human one where his paws had been. Horus was oblivious. 
You smell awful, Uncle. Have you been in the river? If only you knew, the toothy grin said in his mind. He had to concentrate to force a lie out of his mouth. He was walking, that's it. Horace smiled, oblivious to Seth's internal struggle. He requested that his uncle make a storm for him. The child was always looking for amusement, and there was a time when Set liked playing the part of the doting uncle. Set shook his head. I'm very busy, Horace. I'm sorry. The boy's eyes had the slightest glint of a falcon to them, deep brown and cold. He didn't look much like his father, Osiris. Set wanted to kill him. Set wanted to save him. Unfortunately, to his animal self, they were the same thing. Coming up, Set tries to leash the beast. Now back to the story. The child god Horus looked up at his muddy uncle Set. The child looked very, very confused. Some part of Set knew he should feel a tiny bit of shame for killing the boy's father, but the animal part of him knew there were few who deserved to die as deeply as Osiris. Horus spoke concerned. Was something bothering his uncle? Set sighed content. Nothing. I'm not too busy to play after all. Let's go make you a storm. Horus let out a small falcon caw of joy and rushed outside. Set followed, considering. Yes, he would create a small thunderstorm to carry Osiris's remains out to the sea. The gods would go searching for him. Set might even offer to help. Horus dashed to the river's edge. He leapt up and down, eagerly anticipating the lightning and thunder. Set laughed and raised his arm over his head. But then he paused. Why did his laugh sound like a hyena? Horus was staring at him again. You're funny, uncle. Set stifled the laugh and just smiled at his oblivious nephew. He made his usual marks across the sky, drawing the clouds to his hand and slicing them open so the rain would fall. Horus shrieked and spun around happily. He hopped about in the shallows of the river, kicking up the puddles like a very small shorebird. Set heard a voice behind him. It was Isis, Horus's mother, and now, unknowingly, Osiris's widow. Set, my brother, you're alive! She embraced him before he could even respond. Set rubbed her back gently, reassuring her that all is as it should be. The moment didn't last long. Isis looked up to see her son playing far too close to the river. She called out, reminding him to stay on the land. Horus groaned, but turned about to follow his mother's orders. Then he stopped, frozen, his eyes fixed on the murky water. He bent down and reached into the silt. After a little effort, Horus pulled his hand out of the water. Something was in his closed fist. He called for his mother. She walked over, leaving Set behind in the reeds. Set watched her go, tilting his head curiously. Horus held his hand out to his approaching mother and dropped something into her palm. Isis's mouth fell open at the exact same moment Set realized what was happening. He tried to close the distance between them, but Isis was too fast. Horus, where did you find this? Show me, show me quickly. This is very important. 
Horace led her to the water. Set followed, preparing an expression of horrified shock for when they made the discovery. He and Isis leaned over the spot where he'd dumped the body. Set innocently asked Isis what was wrong. A few small chunks of flesh were half buried in the sand, not enough for Isis or Horus to tell what they were seeing. Isis knelt into the dark water, her white gown stained with mud. Her hands did not shake as she reached for the remains of her husband. Something's wrong. Bring Nephthys to me. Set's voice was tight as he reassured her that he would bring his wife as soon as possible. Then he rushed back into the palace. He made a show of telling every single god, servant, or spirit he came across. Something was out there on the Nile. Something had to be done. Where was the king in their time of need? How embarrassing for Osiris, for Isis, for Horus, for Egypt. He had made it all the way to the Grand Hall when the transformation began. An itching at the back of his neck that quickly spread over his whole body. He dashed for his chambers, but he could already feel the fur growing, his spine lengthening, stretching, twisting. His ears stretched beyond recognition as they slid upwards along his head to form the strange two prongs that rested along what would have been his hairline. Someone was knocking at the door. Set threw himself against it to keep them from coming inside. He tried to tell whoever it was that it wasn't a good time, but all he could do was yip and snarl. His hands were creaking and cracking, spreading out into those big paws again. For the first time in this form, Set panicked. Even divine monsters could be surrounded and overwhelmed. Go away! He barked. He wasn't sure if anyone could understand him. A small voice came from the other side of the door. Jewel of my life? It was Nephthys. Set felt very strange. It was as if the fur had just frozen, standing on end like someone had walked past his tomb. He took a deep breath and tried to picture the changes in his body reversing. Somehow it worked. He shed his fur, his spine contracted, his ears sank, and his nose returned to normal. He took a deep breath to compose himself. Then he opened the door. What's wrong? Nephthys had been crying. We can't find Osiris. Isis is beside herself. Horus is trying so hard to be strong in his absence, but he is so upset. She nuzzled against Set. I'm so glad you're all right, my love. How did you escape? Set answered truthfully. I subdued the creature. Nephthys giggled. <laughs> of course you did. There's no one as strong as you, my treasure. For a moment, the animal part of him growled. Not even Osiris? She lowered her voice to a whisper. Not even Osiris. Set held in his hyena laugh. Is that so? She sighed against his chest. It is. Of course it is. I know that if you'd been there, I would have had nothing to fear from the beast. I cannot say the same of the king. She brought her face close to his. I don't want to think about him anymore. His grin exposed his sharp teeth. Me neither. She returned his smile sheepishly. Then, let's not? Set nodded. 
Yes, my stars after rain. Nephthys pecked him on the cheek. They retreated into bed as the palace guards continued to search the darkness, seeking the beast that killed their king. We now know Set as the ultimate villain of the ancient Mediterranean. There are few crimes more heinous or more mythical than killing your brother. But the Osiris myth wasn't always as universal as we thought. Set was known as the King of Upper Egypt, which counterintuitively is the southern part of the kingdom, where the Nile gives way to the desert. We're often taught to think of ancient myths as fixed stories, but the way a god is viewed from town to town can be radically different, even over a small distance. Set had temples and acolytes in the south, and they weren't just worshipping chaos either. In a land known for its dry red sands, a storm god generates plenty of goodwill. There are even pharaohs who named themselves for the glory of Set, the most notable being Seti I. Some Egyptologists believe that the Osiris myth is an allegory for Lower Egypt's conflict with Upper Egypt during prehistory. Northern Osiris and Horus became the heroes, while Southern Set became an entitled usurper who needed to be disciplined and held in check. To the victors went the myth. Set's challenging nature is on full display in the form of the Set animal. No one can fight like Set can, so he's needed to take on the worst monsters Egyptian legend could muster. Like any wild animal, he didn't like to perform on command. But if he's on your side, there's no enemy you cannot vanquish. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next time with an all-new season. It's time to hide under your covers, because we'll be traveling the world for stories about the boogeymen. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Jen Rache, edited by Robert Teamstra and Nora Battelle, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Adriana Gomez, and produced by Travis Clark. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 